So like my married name is the De Lobos and my, you know, my maiden name is Reyes. Reyes. Okay. See, and I don't, these are things like I, one thing I know about um, some Latinos is like, they have like really long names because they combine like family names from their mom's side or something. And I, and they're, sometimes their names are really long. And I didn't Yeah. Know. The interesting thing about the names is that I always heard this when I was younger, like in the TV shows, um, they think that Mexicans or just Latinos in general have these really long names. And at what some of the running jokes in the sitcoms was like Juan Andres, Mi Michelle Reyes. And then they keep going with all these names. And most Mexicans that I know, Mexican-Americans, don't have middle names. Okay. We really, a great majority just have one name. And it's, if it sounds long, is because of what you said. The maternal last name is just as an, almost just as important to identify the person as the paternal last name. Oh. So in Mexico, like my father... And all his documents has his maternal last name. So he's Adolfo Reyes Sanchez. And then sometimes they went even further because some of the names, especially in, in uh, Mexico in small towns, you had to distinguish between the people and some of the names are repeated and very common names. Yeah. And so they would use more than just, they would go, even go to the grandparents' last name to distinguish, you know, exactly which person and what line. And, and that was more common. I've done a lot of genealogy recently searching and it's amazing what I can find, but you, you, you see a lot of people with the same last names and it's really important to know the grandparents then. So that, I think that's what it was back in the day. I'm talking like 1700s, even 1800s. They really went with a lot, like all, a lot of their last names, even sometimes three or four to identify. It's so funny. Cause with yeah. the name thing we do, we, our maiden name is just usually the same as our, our, the husband's name. A lot of like Patels marry each other and we're not related, mm -hmm. but it's just the fact that you're the same caste system in India. All our Patels are generally all farmers in India. So that kind of was a big thing in the way the naming was. So marrying another Patel didn't mean that you were you know, uh, in the same family or anything. So then your middle name would be your dad's first name. So right now my name's Tara Bharat Patel and my dad's name is my middle name. And then when I get married, I'm supposed to take that name out and take my husband's first name and his last name. Huh. People don't do that as much in America because it's just like a legal nightmare <laughs> to like just change everything and like yeah. it's not as big of a deal anymore but yeah that was yeah. like we would the your maiden part of your life just like completely goes away uh it's a very different culture understanding. yeah it's really interesting and you know in in Mexico considering that a lot of people consider it like a very a country with a lot of machismo it's interesting that they do put importance on the maternal last name yeah. And then when a woman gets married, they don't generally take their husband's last name. They, they don't. They don't. They stay, they keep their last name. And then to identify that they're married, they use the they and they attach then the husband's last name. So that's oh. what I did. So I, I kept Re Reyes and then I put they and then Lobos, which is, you know, my husband's last name. 
And so that's why it, it, it sounds really long. But I, you know, in Mexico, I'd still be Reyes. That's who I would be. Interesting. So thanks for joining me. I hope it's okay if I call you Maribel. Yeah, no, that's fine. Thank you for having me. For those of you that don't know, Dr. Reyes was an instructor of mine in my pediatric dental residency program. Our program was pretty actually like diverse when it came to instructors and staff, in my opinion. Mary Bell, I really appreciate you opening up your life. I believe these topics help people open up their minds to a different understanding of life. Through this series, I hope people can begin to understand that their childhoods are all different and how we approach parenting is different due to our cultural differences. And ultimately, I hope this can build empathy in our community. Maybe we can stop and think before we speak and approach someone of a different culture, especially if they're, you know, have kids because the way you approach a kid is very influential in their life. Latinos make up a large portion of our country and their strong cultural heritage has even influenced American society from Taco Tuesdays to Spanish music. But there's a lot when it comes to Latin Americans. There's a bunch of different cultures. Um, all these cultures have similarities, but they have big differences as well. I recommend asking people what their cultural heritage is because you can learn a lot about their life. And wording is key. Asking, are you from here is not really a good start because technically I'm from America, but my cultural background is Indian. So people get confused when I answer a question like that. So what about you? What can you tell me about your cultural background and your childhood upbringing? It's interesting that you say that sometimes you get confused with the question that they ask or that you confuse them with your answers. I, I get confused when people ask me, where are you from? Um, because I'm not sure what they're asking and I don't want to assume either. I sometimes am thinking, are they asking my cultural background? Are they asking, am I even from this country? So I also ask back, like, are, is this what you're asking? Because I'm not sure what they're asking. But yeah, to, to tell you a little bit about my background, mm -hmm. my family is from Mexico. My parents were both born in Mexico. They immigrated to the United States, you know, separately. They met here in Chicago. My dad immigrated in his 20s, pretty early, I think, in the immigration years of, you know, from Mexico, like he, he was here by the, uh, the late 50s. So, you know, to hear that a Mexican was immigrating at that time is less common, there, although there were many, you know, but not as much as came later in the 70s and the 80s and even in the 90s. So my dad came in the 50s. My mom, I believe, was here in the 60s. So she was pretty and kind of an earlier year as well. And they met here, got married here. They didn't start their family here. They, my dad's dream was always to move back to Mexico. So my sister was born in Mexico. And then, you know, after being in Mexico for a couple of years, my mom missed it a lot and she wanted to come back. A lot of her family had immigrated back to the United States and they moved back to Chicago where a lot of her sisters had moved to. And I was born here. So I'm a first generation Mexican American. Growing up in a family of five, there were five kids in my family. And early on we were in Chicago, but then moved to the suburbs. So I have kind of a, a different uh, upbringing to a lot of Mexicans, uh, Mexican Americans who were growing up in the city at the time. I was growing up in the suburbs in, in the 80s, early 90s, you know, so it's a little bit of a different experience. 
the one thing I did find in my research was that Latinos do get discriminated against quite a bit in this country, a lesser extent than Black Americans. But one of the bigger changes that happened was in the 1980s. Um, during that time, there was immigration law changes, and that um, made it harder for people to get into America. And then people started to discriminate against those people if they were legal or illegal. And some had to choose to come here illegally due to their circumstances in their country that they needed to leave for their own you know, reasons. And then since America didn't make it easy for them to immigrate, they would have to do it illegally. And that's so then people started getting you know, labeled in these derogatory terms as illegal and um, legal. And I don't think humans can be either. No, definitely not. <laughs> yeah. And so have your, were your parents ever discriminated against like this? Did it, um, did people just assume things about them? Um, Cause I always think about that when they're parenting and dealing with discrimination that affects their mental health as well. And then kind of can ha- um, affect their ability to like parent or even get a job in the community. So did you guys ever deal with any of that? Well, as far as my parents, I can't, I can't speak to their experiences. My dad, you know, he came, he came in the fifties. He actually came legally. He had a brother who had moved to the United States before him. And he always said that when he would learn about the Great Lakes in Mexico, he always knew he'd end up seeing them. He told me that, you know, when I was in my twenties and we were on a, on a cruise on, on Lake Michigan. And he said, you know, I always knew when I was Mexico in Mexico that I would see the Great Lakes at some point. And I don't know if that's because his brother had immigrated here and was living here at the time, but my father went to Mexico City in order to basically be able to immigrate legally, you know, with documentation and everything. Uh, that being said, at the time, in the late 50s, early 60s, you could do that. You know, it it was easier then. So yeah. my dad had this ability to to go and and get his visa and start the whole process of becoming a resident before he moved here. So I think in in a sense it it was probably easier for my dad finding a job because coming here he he already had the ability to work. You know, his his experience was probably different from many other Mexicans that immigrated here who couldn't work legally, didn't have the means to, you know, fix their status because it takes money. It it takes time. My dad had to travel to Mexico city, which is not close to where he grew up in Mexico to do this. And even then he tells me he had to jump through some hoops to get you know, legal, legal status. And for my mother, she moved here. And the her reason for coming, well, my dad came because he wanted, you know, he wanted a a better life. He came from, from poverty, he was came from a family um, that was broken. They didn't have a lot of money. He was mostly raised by his oldest sister. My mom, on the other hand, came because at the time her family was going through a tragedy. She had lost her little brother uh, to cancer. Her mother was kind of having kind of mental issues. And so the doctors told my grandmother, you know, you need to, to get away. You need to take a trip or something and get away. 
And she had a cousin in Chicago. So she got some of her kids. One was my mom and they came on a tourist visa. So they came to visit and my mom ended up staying. She liked it here. So as far as being discriminated for my parents, I, they never really talked to me about that. They just said it was, it was hard, you know, because language barrier, food, you know, they were used to their, their food in Mexico. And at the time they arrived here, there wasn't the grocery stores. You couldn't get tortillas that easily, you know, you didn't have the, the peppers that you have in Mexico. So in that sense, it was, it was difficult for them navigating, navigating a new country, getting used to the new, you know, the, the seasons that are a lot different from Mexico. So they, they never personally told me. Yeah of any racism against them. What about for you as a parent or while? For me growing up, you know, like I said, we moved from Chicago at the age of six, we moved to the area, which is at the time, I mean, there were very few Latinos living in our area. And so my sister, she did experience, she says that she, at, at school, in elementary school, she did hear the, oh, Mexicans are dirty comments, you know, uh, they're lazy comments. I didn't really experience much in elementary, I think, because my skin tone, I'm kind of more like ethnically ambiguous, you know? Um, I think nowadays, as there are more Mexican-Americans living in the United States, People can recognize, you know, that we come in all shades and colors. And, you know, I look in the mirror and I look to myself, I look Mexican-American when I see myself. So growing up in the 80s and 90s in a, you know, predominantly white suburb and being ethnically ambiguous, I didn't have a lot of discrimination against me at the time. Um, I mean, there are things I noticed, like... When I started school, you know, coming from the city, and I don't know if it was because I was coming from the city or because I was Mexican-American and the teachers knew I was Mexican-American, obviously my name, and, and they knew immediately I was put into like the lower reading level, you know? And I remember feeling disappointed because I thought I was a good reader. Yeah. And I think part of it was like, they just assumed. It was assuming, you know, because she's Mexican-American, maybe she's coming from the city, you know, she doesn't read as well. And so I, even as a six-year-old, had these thoughts in my head. Yeah. You know, they're doing this because I'm different, you know. Um, but the kids themselves growing up, as far as being Mexican-American, I remember being in third grade, for, uh, maybe fourth grade, and telling one of the kids I was Mexican. And he looked at me shocked, like you're Mexican. So that was the first time I realized, oh, maybe people don't realize this about me. You know, you guys are labeled as, you know, being kind of the lowest on the economic ladder and always like cheap and flexible labor. And I, you know, even when we were, my parents, like were you know, coming into American society, that was also like a stereotype that they knew about as immigrants of America as well, you know? Mm -hmm. So I definitely, I, that was definitely something I wanted to talk 
a little bit history about like schooling system when it came to Mexican Americans in the US before the 80s they were segregated because of their language proficiency and that really wasn't an indication of if they truly had you know were proficient in English it was just assumed that most Mexican American kids weren't so that was from before the 80s and they were still doing it up to your you know your time frame yeah and you know probably that's a little bit of what it was as well that they probably spoke to my dad who registered us and my dad had this accent you know and so they probably were assuming well this child speaks spanish probably doesn't you know read well uh, which wasn't the case for me in the 80s for when things started to desegregate Mexican-Americans were put into schools before Black kids were, but still a lot of the schools just didn't have a lot of the great facilities. They still, in the South, it still existed more so, where there was more segregation. And it's important for people to understand that there were differences, but there still was racism across the board once they found out the information, you know, found out that you were of a different, it's like a switch goes off in people's brains for some reason, (laughs) once they find out that you're, you know, a Mexican American. Yeah. I mean, and, and like, I know my light skin privilege, you know, I know that because at the time people didn't realize that, you know, or think that a Mexican could look like I did, you know, I realized, you know, that it may, maybe it made it easier for me growing up you know, different experiences from what another Mexican American might have had, you know, had they, you know, if they're darker, look more like what the, what the stereotypical thought of what a Mexican American looks like, you know? You notice a self-esteem issue between you and your sister or anything, or like any of how this might affected you guys differently? You know, and it, it, the interesting thing is my sister is not darker than me. It's just maybe in her group, she was more vocal about who she was, or the kids were older, she was older than me. And so at a later age, they may, I think junior high, they were more aware, like, oh, she's Mexican American. And then these were being said, things were being said to her, you know, but she wasn't any darker than I at all. And that being said, it's interesting too, because, you know, my family comes in all sorts of colors. And so I never really realized that Mexican Americans were seen as dark because we have, we, we vary from dark skin to, you know, I have family members who are very, very light skinned. And so I never stopped to think myself, oh, we do come in different shades. I just assumed people knew this about us, you know? But yeah, I think it was, for my sister, I think it was more the age, the, the year, you know, the, the grade level she was in where she was getting bullied more the awareness of the kids that she was Mexican-American was the problem. But as to your question of, was there, you know, self-esteem issues? I think growing up for me, you know, more the more than discrimination, it was more mm-hmm. the sense of feeling different, even though maybe, like I said, my light skin was a privilege for me in some ways, I still knew I was culturally different, that my parents spoke a different language, that they didn't understand the American culture, you know, the way I did, or the way, you know, my classmates' parents did. And, and that was, I felt different. I felt like, you know, the odd person out, basically, like I couldn't socialize the same way. And, you know, 
plus the Mexican American cultures, it tends to be very conservative, very Catholic in general. And so that was different too. You know, my parents were conservative in the sense that, so, you know, they didn't want me out socializing. They, it was like, yes, we want you to do good in school. School, you know, academics was always important to my parents. Getting an education was their goal for us, but they didn't really feel like, or they didn't get the whole social aspect to become a well-rounded child, you know, like in, in a different country. I think because they were busy working, partly because, you know, the Mexican American culture is a little bit more conservative. Also, we come from big families. So our social circles are our families, you know, it's not so much going to a friend's house, it's more going to your cousin's house, you know, your aunt's house and kind of kind of thing. So they, I don't think they saw the need to, to ensure that socially we were growing. It was like, yeah, you, you'll get that from your cousins. You'll get that from going to your aunt's house, right? So it was, it was different when I would go to school and I'd hear these kids having their play dates and going to their birthday parties and stuff. And, and it was like, more like, no, what? We're, you want to leave the house? No, stay here. You know, you come home right after school kind of thing, you know? That's what it was more like for me. And so I felt very culturally different. Yeah, I we had the same issues. I talked about that in my last episode with my uh, cousin. Like our parents at one moment would be okay with us going somewhere. And then last minute they would just cancel because yeah. they were so nervous, you know, that they were letting us do something that they're not used to. That's not a part of Right. Or, or you'd go and then you'd, you'd feel like they were angry at you because you were going, and then you were like, Oh, then I don't want to go. <laughs> yeah. Yep, yep. That's happened for sure. And felt guilty while you're there that you're, yeah. and you don't have as much fun because you feel guilty for being there. Yeah. And I think it's, it was just a cultural thing. I mean, it really is. It wasn't that they were being mean or anything. It's just, they didn't get it. It's like, you know, you, you can do a lot of things with your cousins, your sisters, your brothers, you know, we take you to plenty of places, you know, it was, it was a lot of worrying, taking care of us as well, making sure nothing happened to us kind of thing. You know, it's a, I don't know if it's only, I don't think it's, it was just my parents. I think in general, it's a Mexican American thing. (laughs) Now that you have children, are you worried about like, them dealing with racism or, you know, just being judged before people know them based on the fact that they are, you know, they, they are Mexican American. Well, that's an interesting question because I told myself that when I had kids that I would ensure that they would be well-rounded socially, academically in sports and, and all that kind of stuff. And so I think I kind of, overdo it trying to push them to to make friends and you know sometimes I just have to sit back and relax and be like oh they'll make a friend when they want to you know I I think I was trying to make up for the stuff I felt like I missed out on you know but as far as for them experiencing discrimination or racism yeah I worry about it I want them I want them to feel like they fit in I don't want them to feel like they're different you know because it's already hard enough, not just, not just because of my background, but as a person, you know, I think we all do, but I know I, I also, also like dealt with insecurities just from, just from life. Right. And then on top of that insecurities about being different. So I do worry about my kids feeling different in, and so I try to make it as easy for them as possible by, 
being more involved in the school and, you know, having them participate. When I talk to them about like racism or discrimination, I, I try, I don't know if I'm wrong in doing it this way, but I don't mention it in the sense of, of them being discriminated uh, against. I, I broach it in a more general way, like discrimination and racism is wrong for anyone. I, I don't want them to discriminate against others. And then I just want them to know that they shouldn't be discriminated against either. But I, I kind of just broach it as in general, it's wrong. And I don't want them to have that fear of, I'm going to get discriminated against, you know? I get that. that makes I just want them to know that it's, it's wrong and it shouldn't be. And people do do it. And, they, and it exists. But I don't want to like focus it on as them to you, you know, it's going to happen to you kind of thing. And maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. I mean, I'm kind of navigating this whole parenting thing the best that I can, you know? Yeah. Um, I think there's any right way. I think there, you, when it comes up in life, if you handle it in that moment, the kid, the kids end up understanding. So when they do experience it, they feel comfortable coming to you and then having a discussion then. I think this is just a topic that's really hard because we're just starting to see its effects. Like people are paying attention that it exists and then, okay, well, now that it, we, we understand that it exists, the next step is to understand how has it affected our society, specifically right. our children? Do they deal with racism or discrimination in school? And so the one thing that they are like Hispanic Americans are consistently thought to be like the less educated, like I said. And uh, the one thing is, is that according to the data, it does show that they're less educated and people may then assume they are less educated because they're not smart enough to continue in higher education. But in reality, you People should also understand that Mexican-Americans were looked down upon and not given opportunities and resources to succeed for a long period of time, just like Black Americans, which ultimately does not allow them to pursue higher education. Um, our history shows that many minorities were not given these opportunities and resources. So, you know, you talked about this previously with, you know, when you started school, they just automatically assumed you um, were, you know, you were put into like other classes specifically because you, they thought that you couldn't read. How did that make you feel as a kid? I know you kind of went over that, but was yeah. it mainly in school or just happened other places too? Yeah. So when my father enrolled us in private school, when we first moved to, you know, the suburb, um, I did have that thought, you know, as a six-year-old getting placed into the you know, the lower lowest reading group, I thought, wow, it's because, because I'm Mexican American as a six-year-old, I had this thought mm -hmm. and I thought, you know, they, they don't think I can do it. They don't think I can read as well. And, you know, having this conversation with you, I wonder if like a lot of it was because, you know, my dad spoke English with an accent and with difficulty um, as well, you know, as, aside from me being Mexican-American, but also hearing my dad speak, maybe they assumed I didn't read as well. But I did feel that sense of, it's because I'm different that they're putting me into the lower you know, reading group. 
And soon after, it's interesting because soon after just reading, you know, in class, one of the teachers made a comment like, why, why are you in this group? You shouldn't, you know, it was cut quickly, you know, that, that they just put me into a lower reading group, you know, without really belonging in that group, you know, cause it was questioned later. And for me, I was, I was happy at that moment because I was like, oh, I was right. You know, it, you know, I'm glad they realized I, I didn't belong in that reading group, you know? So that's, I think that was my first experience feeling like because I was Mexican-American, Latina, that, you know, that I was placed into a category just because of who I was, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's, it's kind of funny because the research shows that uh, minorities end up, a lot of minorities end up in special education or in remediation of grades because they're less proficient in certain subjects because they're looked at as Hispanic Americans and minorities. And they just assume that that means that you don't, don't understand school as much. Right. And, and, you know, later on, you know, it was a great school. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful for the, you know, the, what my, what my father went through to put us through private school, because I'm sure it was expensive and difficult, but later on, you know, the school, they did a great job of teaching me and I excelled and I did really well. And I think it was more, a little bit more when I was older that I'd get the comments of, oh, she's got really good grades, not from the teachers, but from like peers, you know, like, oh, she does really well, you know? And I, I, I wonder, you know, in retrospect, I, at the time I thought, well, why wouldn't I, you know? But I, I wonder if it's because, you know, I was, I'm Mexican-American, is it, it surprises you kind of thing, you know? And I did get that later on and through high school even, oh, you're in the honors classes, you know, kind of a surprise kind of thing. You know, when you're young, you don't think about it as much, but I think it, there is, there is uh, that belief that because you're Mexican-American, you know, a lot of people do feel you're, you're not as capable, not as intelligent or not as interested, you know? So it does, I looked into like early learn childhood learning, and there's this great study that was like a longitudinal study and another study that looked at just Mexican-American experiences over um, schooling. And at the beginning, there's some issues with, you know, reading and language proficiency, um, mainly because Spanish is spoken at home. So then they don't get the practice of English as much. So then there's that issue. And if there is an English speaking parent at home, and that's majority of what they speak at home, there's less of an issue with reading. And so in your home, did you, what, in your home, in your childhood, what did you guys speak mainly? Did you ever notice any issues like that? Uh, growing up, it was all Spanish. My first language was Spanish because, you know, my parents, it's, it's the language that they felt comfortable speaking to us. And then they wanted us to be fluent in Spanish. So uh, it was, my mom would get upset if we answered in English. So she always, I mean, it was her goal to have us be fluent. And so it was always Spanish. And, you know, did that pose a challenge for me in school? Uh, I think 
I have a, a little bit, also a little bit of a different experience because I was the third kid. And so my siblings spoke English. And so I probably learned English a lot sooner than they had with just my parents, you know? So, you know, I don't think that I had the same issue that maybe my oldest sister would have had, you know? Yeah. Only coming from speaking Spanish all day long with them and then starting school. But yeah, but we, we always spoke Spanish and, and I'm glad we did, you know, because I'm bilingual now and it's served me well in, in what I do, you know, in my work with patients, you know, and I'm grateful to my parents for doing that. And I, you know, I, I've tried to do the same with my kids. It's a little harder <laughs> being second generation, you know, having them be bilingual as second generation. Um, but yeah, I speak to them in Spanish, uh, you know, and I try to continue the language because I'm, I'm very proud of my heritage. I'm proud of my roots. Um, and I've, I've had questions from people who ask, they'll ask me, why does that person speak to their child in Spanish? Why aren't, I mean, don't they want them to learn English is the question, you know? And so I think that it's coming from a concern that this child's going to fall behind, that this child's going to, you know, not learn English or learn to navigate early on because they're only spoken to in Spanish. And I have to, I have to explain that, you know, being, being spoken to in your home, in your native language, it really is a gift. And it doesn't mean that you're not gonna, you know, learn English. I mean, you're living in the United States, you know, there's, there's uh, opportunities to learn English, but if you're not spoken to in the language that, you know, your parents speak, then you won't learn it if you don't start at a young age. Yeah. And so I, I feel like that question is interesting. And, you know, cause some people really don't understand why you would want to teach your kid your native language. And that's the part of the cultural competency aspect that people need to understand about the school system and understand that this country was based on, founded on a bunch of immigrants. And if you look back at history, if you were in the cities, multiple different languages were being spoken when mm. America first had started. Cause yeah, the big immigration waves. Yeah. Yeah. That it was not just English being English, spoken. Yeah. It was all different languages. Like, cause Italians came all at once. Irish people came all at once. It was like literally like everything every different culture coming at the same time and there was no schooling in a way like we do now we have now that taught like English in the same way yeah yeah and you know it had I had I had a difficult time with English had I been like you know the first child and not known English maybe I think it would have been difficult in the school that I went to because definitely there wasn't ESL English as a second language there wasn't um you know, uh, a class that could have helped me. They just didn't have that. They weren't prepared for that in the school that I went to, you know, and I know that nowadays that's a thing, you know, which is a good thing to help kids to make the transition, right? Yeah. Uh, with with coming from a, a household that speaks Spanish. And that was the thing that um, the research showed was that if you are a parent or if you are a kid in a Spanish only speaking home 
and there's, you know, only Spanish and nothing else is spoken. They don't really then re get books or read to them at home because there's very few books available in Spanish for them to at least like try to, you know, start reading. There's also like less likely to go to the library, mainly because you don't understand, you know, the school system or the learning resources that are out there for your kids. Cause you just know there's no certain, no orientation for a lot of immigrants that are coming in that, you know, so your siblings probably figured that out first, you know, by going to school and then made sure by you, it was something that you probably already knew about, like, you know, part of your upbringing where at the beginning of their upbringing, it was probably like trying to figure out what are the resources, what are, what yeah. do, you know, what can we use? What is available to us? Yeah, definitely. I had, I had benefits from being the third child, right. From their navigating more with my older siblings and, um, but yeah, that, that those are some of the disadvantages that Mexican-Americans who are first generation face, right? Because the, the language that their sp parents speak, it's, it's more difficult, like you said, for them to be read to in the language that they're going to be reading in, in school, right? Yeah. Um, maybe they're being read to in Spanish, but it's not, it's not English or can the parents help with the homework, right? When it's in English and they're, you know, I know I didn't get um, as much help with homework as, as probably, actually, I'm pretty certain I didn't get as much help with homework as the majority of the kids in my, in my school growing up, you know, simply because it was in a different language, you know? I didn't even think about that actually like that. Yeah. Your parents, like my mom, I kind of already knew my mom was like that, but she also had a high school education. So like the amount that she could help us at some point, you know, wasn't that great. She could do like math. That was probably like the easiest thing, but my dad, he was got a master's here in America. So then he was very educated. So we just went to him for all of our, you know, schooling mm -hmm. and now I realize like, yeah, you didn't have um, you, your siblings maybe, but even them, they didn't, you know, for them, they didn't have, you know, anybody to go to for that. Right. Yeah. So it's, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. It was, it was just, I don't know. I, I mostly did it on my own. And now in a sense, I think that that made me very independent. It was kind of a good thing, you know, be, bad and good thing, because, you know, I think in the early years, it's helpful, right. To reinforce what you learn in school, but then on the flip side, it really taught me to be responsible for my own things, you know, for my homework, was it done, was it completed? Did I understand this, go talk to the teacher kind of thing. And I, I think I, I struggle a lot with that with my kids right now, because I'm a very hands-on mom in the sense of school. Education is super important to me um, because I feel like I got this gift from my parents, you know, they didn't have the opportunity to receive the education that I did. Although I think my dad, had he been born into different circumstances, would have loved, you know, and could have been a doctor or, you know, a lawyer or something like that. So he gave me this gift that I have. And so I, I don't want to squander it and I want to pass it on to my children. And so I'm really kind of, um, you know, over the top with school for them. And I do help them. I make sure that I help them with their homework. But then at the same time, I struggle because I'm like, wow, but you know, I, I need to make them independent, 
you know, they're, I don't want to do, I don't want to sit and do homework with them in high school. You know, (laughs) I want, I want them to get to a point or even in junior high, I feel like it's important to become independent in that sense. So it's like the struggle I have this internal struggle with that, you know, you want to give them everything you didn't get in your childhood, but you don't want to give it too much dependent on you and not becoming adults that aren't self-sufficient. Right. Right. Or responsible, you know, because it's not even of, do you understand it? Yeah, they might understand it, but are you responsible enough to sit down and start doing what you need to get done, right? Yeah. It's just getting to it, not pr- procrastinating kind of thing. That's uh, that's kind of why I started this podcast was that it's like, we want to teach these kids so they can grow up to, you know, with their own sets of morals and values that they live by, that they can then be functional adults that can be helpful to society. I don't think we can do that for everybody, but I would like to help people do that. So I hope you're listening in and one day can see that you have actually a lot of insight. And I think the most important thing as a parent is just to be open-minded and aware. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we're all navigating waters, right? Parents don't have like, there's not this book that we can all follow. And like I said before, my experience is different from others' experiences. And even from another Mexican American's experience, you know, it's it's not the same. And like I said, I I know what my privileges were growing up, even as a Mexican American. Experiences are all different. Yeah. I know mine's not not gonna fit like a cookie cutter for someone else's, you know? Yeah. I like that these stories, though, definitely open people's eyes up to the fact that they don't know everything and they have to stop assuming that they know what's going on in somebody else's life. Uh, You know, with social media, to me, it's so many people hide behind and want to judge what is going on, but you don't know where people have come from or what they're dealing with. And these kind of stories and conversations really help, you know, all of us start to see things in a different way. So I really do appreciate you spending the time with me to talk about your experience as a Mexican American, you know, as a parent and in your own childhood um, and bringing along the stories of your parents as well and your siblings. Thank you so much. I do appreciate it. Thanks Tara for having me. I hope that I, you know, my experiences and I hope I was able to explain clearly enough, you know, so that it might help someone else, you know, to, to know that parenting isn't easy, especially when you feel like you're different or you're not certain, you know, I don't know. I hope, I hope some, it, it helps someone just to realize we're all human, right?